0: Welcome to the Cosmic Salon. I have a very special guest here that I really called out to the universe to bring uh, forward and come into a conversation with. I had heard him recently on a show and then started the wheels turning because everything he was saying was stuff I either know in my gut fuel in my gut or a lot of it including the genetic uh, raking that's going on is stuff that I'm coming to the table with talking about and a lot of people are just at this point starting to understand that this isn't just woo and far out stuff this is now got everyone's attention and so then as I started to move backwards in time and follow where he has been and see the depth that this person brings forward and has been bringing forward for years and years. Many, many books. I, uh, I found myself in these deep waters, and so, with my call to the universe, the wonderful Patrick Newlin, uh, who helps me out here, was able to get a hold of Dean Henderson, and I am in gratitude and so grateful. And with that, I'm going to welcome Dean Henderson to the Cosmic Salon. Hello, Dean.
1: Hello, Misha. Thanks so much for finding me and for having me.
0: You weren't even finished on the show I was listening to. You just started talking like when you were able to talk. Let me put it that way. Uh <laughs> my whole body was in in like a, a weird state of vibration I felt so compelled just for the sake of people that may not uh, know anything about you can you fill in a little bit of your footprint in the world
1: yeah sure um I was born on um, a cattle ranch in uh, South Dakota and uh, grew up that way and um just real close to the earth and um are our own animals, have a huge garden, you know, really self-sufficient, hunted fish, all that stuff. So I got my bachelor's degree in liberal studies at the University of South Dakota, started tuning into politics, I guess, about then and um got a masters in environmental studies from the University of Montana in Missoula, spent about ten years there. Moved to Missouri for about uh just about two decades. I ran for Congress once there in mm-hmm. 2004. Really about six books I've written, I guess, now. And um, now I'm back up in uh, South Dakota in my home state. Along the way, I traveled to 50 countries in between times and backpacked went on the cheap and just riding the chicken bus and trying to learn from the poor folks in the world because that's I news mean, you can learn from most. Just along the way, just picked up uh, a lot of information about this gigantic octopus that controls us started as a master's thesis into looking into big oil, and um, which is my first book, Big Oil and Their Bankers. Then I just kind of did more and more research and went more and more places, and um, it just seems like the dots just keep connecting and they're still connecting. And uh, what we're looking at is just way bigger than most of us can even imagine.
0: It's remarkable, actually. How the tentacles are everywhere, woven through. And the tentacles are actually part of the cloth that is this reality. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> and like any good cephalopod, they blend in to show you what they need to show you. This whole <laughs> octopus of control is this deception factor is at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's dive in. I wanted people to hear how impressive you are. You, you, you have this whole background that's very, very impressive, and it made me chuckle when you said ran for Congress because you are, you're definitely the one of the probably only people I, I'd actually play the game and vote for uh, if you were in my neck of the woods. Although we aren't far, far apart. I'm in Washington State, so which is an interesting ride in and of itself. So let's build a foundation here. What is the Black nobility?
1: Well, these are the people who um, formerly allied with the Holy Roman Empire. Well, not formerly. They still are, but it's just that we're supposed to believe the Holy Roman Empire doesn't exist anymore. So these people are are somehow um, kind of rogue actors at this point. They're part of the crown. They're part of the bloodlines. And they tend to stay off the radar more so than the... Over crown actors like Queen Lizzie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them were aligned with the, the Holy Roman Empire. To get it right, you have to go back to Samaria to start there, and you have to talk about the Anunnaki invasion of Samaria 8,000 years ago. It's all written in the Sumerian clay tablets, it's all been translated, it's all been roped off for researchers because of the war in Iraq why they looted the museum in Iraq and Baghdad first thing because they wanted to get all the history and all the relics out of there because this crown this black mobility bunch they've been stringing us along with the you know the big bang theory and the evolutionary theory and all these theories and they don't want us to know where we came from and they definitely don't want us to know where they came from my research indicates that these black mobility come from Anunnaki, and they're not uh, 100% human they're Nephilim, or Anunnaki, or Jinn, the Muslims call them. The uh, Apache call them Wendigo. The Cree, Scots and the Cree call them Wutiko. The people in Egypt call them Archons. The Gnostics call them Archons. But it's this off planet uh, bunch. It you right in the tablets, not my words, their words, that they came here to enslave uh, humans to genetically modify uh, creatures into worker bee humans to mine gold for their planet Iberia, which was the ozone layer was depleting. And was at that same time, 8,000 years ago, that the gold mines in South Africa started up. A lot of the anomalies around the world, whether it's Angkor Wat in Cambodia or whether it's Machu Picchu in Peru or Tiwanaku in Bolivia or, you know, the Mayan temples in Guatemala, Aztec temples in Mexico, all these things started popping up at the same time. So these Ionaki were obviously going all around the world, and they were corrupting people. They were corrupting people of different cultures, teaching them uh, to do blood sacrifice and things that aren't human, which accounts for the fact that the Aztecs did some of that. But basically from Samaria, I mean, they forced these people into agriculture in Samaria. That's why Samaria is known as Mesopotamia, it's synonymous with the same, and that's everyone oh, has been taught that's where agriculture started. And that's why it started, because they literally forced these people into agriculture from a hunting and gathering existence, which is the natural state for humanity. Then they could feed their city-states, Ur and Babylon, and in that region. Um, and they thus started kind of a banker-class relationship already, where you had workers and you had people in the city that ate <laughs> pretty much and managed things and ate. So from there, they branched in two directions. They went to Egypt and became the pharaohs. They went to Babylon, and they started the Babylonian mystery schools in Babylon, of the Tower of Babel, all that stuff, the religion, the spirituality even, which we had no really notion of either of those things. As something to gather people, we just just basically were grateful for the gifts of nature. So, for example, Lakota would pray to Buffalo Calf Woman, it, was, it wasn't really the same as what we understand to be spirituality today, I don't think at all. It was really grounded. It was grounded in nature, in natural law, and it was actually kind of brutal sometimes, but you got to eat, you know. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So then they became the pharaohs in Egypt. They enslaved the Israelites, who were actually black Ethiopians uh, at that time. They, they now live in Ethiopia. They were driven out of Israel. The Israelites were by these Nephilim. The tribe of Dan, uh, the Zionists, the original Zionists, they enslaved the Israelites to build pyramids and the whole uh, did the whole thing there in, with, you know, building the pyramids and, and being this uh, dominant force in that region, not treating people very good. From there, they crossed the channel or across the Mediterranean, I should say, to uh, establish the Holy Roman Empire burning the library of Alexandria behind them to hide the records of the genealogies and who they were and all their atrocities and so forth. Some of which have been recovered through the Nag Hammadi scrolls now, Mm. pretty recently. But by that point, um, they had a a Navy and um, it was called the Knights Templar. So then they were able to take their big ships because people have, you know, navigated the seas for way before them. But, They didn't have the big ships because they weren't interested in pillaging people. You know, (laughs) they were decent human beings. But these people or these things. No, they went all over the planet and they pretty much stole all the wealth from all native people in North America, South America, Asia, South Asia, Africa, you name it. Hoarded it and brought it back to establish the Holy Roman Empire. Did the crusades where the Templars were taking pilgrims into the Middle East and they were getting them into debt. So they started the debt concept of debt. They started the concept of kind of a bond market, now a credit card system, credit card market. So the Knights Templar were the original bankers, for sure. The Babylonians, on the other side, they headed up to the Caucasus uh, in the Georgian region, Azerbaijan, Georgia, that region, south of Russia, and they mingled with the, the Caucasians. Out of there came the Ashkenazi Jewish faith, which had gotten pretty weird, and that was the Rothschild. So the Ashkenazi Jews then migrated to Eastern Europe. They began to intermarry with the Holy Roman Emperor crowd, you know, the bloodlines that came from there. There was kind of a rift between Pope Clement and uh, the Templars because from time to time the Catholics have actually, Catholic Church has actually gone up against these Anunnaki and then other times they're co-opted. The, the Vatican Bank has been the most co-opted for years. It was run by the Rothschilds, although this recent, the most recent Pope, Pope Francis, actually the first action he did as Pope was he went in to uh, raid the Vatican Bank and hopefully straighten up some of that corruption in there. I'm not sure where he stands. He is a Jesuit, and I know there's a lot of people out there who follow this kind of the Jesuits or evil aligned, but I actually think the Jesuits are the good part of the Catholic Church. And the fact that this is the first Jesuit Pope ever could have some meaning, it could mean that maybe he is in opposition to him. I'm noticing him not wearing a mask very much. Yeah. And I'm noticing some some you know some things are coming out of there that actually might be good. But anyway, regardless of that, there was a rift and the Templars were sent packing um up the coast to Venice and they became the, the Venetian bankers and they established fascism in that region of Tuscany. Meaning, basically, a bunch of bloodline families bound together in defense of uh, against the peasants, against the, the serfs and the farmers, and anybody else who might challenge their uh, extreme wealth. Then, a lot of their wealth from Rome actually was sent to Scotland, kind of covertly by ship, and they took a lot of gold uh, and a lot of a lot of stuff uh, to Scotland, and with help from the Sinclair, uh, Nephilim, Crown bloodline family which was already in that region. And interesting that we have Sinclair Broadcasting, which owns almost every radio station in this country anymore. They helped them do that. And then I started Freemasonry, Scottish Rite Freemasonry, along the lines of the Egyptian mystery schools and the Babylonian mystery schools that had already started. And the whole idea was to hide. Before that, people knew they could change shapes. They knew they could time travel. They knew they could heal themselves. They knew a lot of things. Humans are capable of a lot of really cool things, but those schools were all about creating a hierarchy that would hide those secrets from people. And so in Egypt out came the Freemasons, the Kabbalists, and the Jewish faith, and the Muslim Brotherhood, and the Muslim faith. And those secret societies were designed to hide the true nature of humanity from itself and hoard all that knowledge into this Illuminati that was uh, developing. So from Scotland, the money came down eventually into the city of London. Um, William III was the king who cemented that Magna Carta agreement in the, uh, would have been the 11th century, I think, maybe 12th century, where they signed the Magna Carta among the aristocrats and the, royal, and the royalty of the crown. It was supposed to be diminishing the power of the crown, but in fact what it did was just kind of create a bond between the crown and the aristocrats that's still in place today. So they came to London city of London on Lombardy Street the main thoroughfare there is Lombardy Street. So some of the Venetian banking families included the Guelphs which is Queen Elizabeth yeah. Berlin, and she's a Gelf, and the Lombards, which is Lombardy Street is named after. those people from Venice were already migrating into Normandy and they created the Hanseatic League for a while they intermarried a bunch like the Rala family came from Norway and uh, that's like the Viking royalty bloodline, whatever. And the Anjou family was already in France. And the Habsburgs came down from Prussia. And there was a lot of interbreeding that went on in Normandy. At some point, they decided, oh, okay, we're going to start this thing called the United Kingdom. And instead of going around Europe and Asia and those places and establish these temporary kingdoms and then getting overrun and having to redraw the map, we'll just do the United Kingdom over here. And it was an island it was safe from... Uh, peasants because you had to have a ship to get to it and again no one had big ships and the coast around england is really rocky and the seas are rough and so that was the place where they established their stronghold was the united kingdom united kingdom And that's exactly what it is to this day it's the united kingdom it's where they you know the city of london is this one square mile entity within the city of London, but not part of the city of London and not part of the UK either. It's actually totally autonomous. And so every bank operates there of any size, you know, all the big banks, the only place in the world where derivatives are traded from it's the, it's the epicenter of the offshore banking network. So the bank of England has these numbered accounts that only they know who owns them. And then that money goes to the Cayman Islands or Bermuda or, Bahamas or Isle of Man of Jersey whatever it is whatever Bonawati whatever offshore banking center but that's all run by the city of London all that stuff and by the Bank of England and then every bank in the city has its own Freemason Lodge because Freemasonry is kind of the religion of you could say of these people It's, it's Luciferianism it's Satanism it's the same and that's the religion so every bank has a Freemason lodge. The Lord Mayor of London actually lives in the biggest Freemason lodge. They're just just loaded with Freemason lodges. Then the banks vote uh, in the city, so there's not many people that actually live there. Although there are some super rich crown people that live there, There's a lot of Saudi princes and you know stuff like that. People that have looted their countries, you know the Sultan of Brunei. You know, I mean people that have looted their countries, they, they they take their money in the city of London and they put it there and they'll live there and they give to, to themselves some status. But mostly it's just commercial entities. So the people vote, but then the banks vote too. And the bigger the bank, the more votes you get. So like HSBC, the old Hong Kong, Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation has the most votes. You have to be a Freemason to become alderman or a councilman in the city. And this is where all the, the dirty money goes because there's no, it's opaque. There's no... There's no regulation. There's no, nobody can see what's going on. And so all their dirty oil money from the Middle East goes through there. if they steal money from Syria through through their ISIS subsidiary, that'll go through there. They're uh, running prostitution rings um, in Thailand. That money goes through there. They're running drugs out of Colombia. That money goes through there. Um, Or Afghanistan. That money goes through there. And uh, it just kind of all mixes and goes into the offshore networks. And they created, of course, the first corporation was the East India Company. The Bank of Amsterdam was actually their first central bank, and then the Bank of England was the second one. They also had the Dutch East India Company, and, and those companies were involved with the slavery, the slave trade, heavily involved with the genocide of Native people ongoing still at that point. Yeah, they established this uh, to be their geopolitical base camp. And so what you have is the Royal Society, and the Royal Society controls the city line. And when I say crown, I don't mean just the Queen of England. I mean the entirety of all the royalty of the world. Yeah. And then the black mobility is also part of that crown, even though they supposedly don't have status anymore. They They do. And so... In this United Kingdom, they've established this Royal Society, so you have the Royal Society of Physics, which promotes particle physics, which subatomic physics. Is now, telling us is pretty much BS. Yeah, you know they can't understand reality by breaking things into smaller and smaller parts and hoping that that part acts a certain way. It just doesn't work like that. It's more of an electric plasma-based universe. I'm um, all about energy, all about good energy, bad energy, you know, vibes and just things like that. But they still promote that. They're, uh, of course, the Royal Geographic Society through National Geographic uh, Magazine, which is just horrible, it promotes survival of the fittest, Mike is right. It was okay that we slaughtered the Indians because they would have slaughtered us first if we hadn't, you know, this kind of BS. The whole thing about evolutionary theory, which you know, having a master's degree, and having studied a lot of anthropology, cultural anthropology specifically, there was never a link established. mammamopithecus was as close as it ever came between mm-hmm. humans and apes, and that theory, that is not any anybody with their saw who's an anthropologist will tell you that that is to dead end. It just yes. didn't panic,
0: yeah,
1: oh, but they still promote it and they still promote germ theory mm-hmm. through their uh, mm-hmm. Lancet medical journal. And they still promote Big Bang Theory through nice. their uh, the astronomy society, and all these theories and they always put theory on there because if we sue them someday and we find out it's wrong then they can have an out because, because this that's is the, to the to lizard brain that they operate and everything to has to be a contract, right? So it's all theories and they, and they explicitly tell us that these are just theories but we take them as kind of fact yeah. um, which is very unscientific because we do of course but then they have Chatham House um, and they have the roads to the international affairs which pretty much organized the whole British Empire and geopolitically, and, and who would go where, like they sent Cecil Rhodes to South Africa, and they sent uh, the Thun Robs and the Rockefellers to America, and they sent the Warburgs to Eastern Europe, and, and just sent people all over the world, um, the Romanovs to Russia, you know, just people everywhere to control different parts of the earth and the whole earth, for sure. That was all done through the Business Roundtable, which became the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Now, in this country, the sister organization to that is the Council on Foreign Relations, which pretty much uh, runs our foreign policy along with the Atlantic Council. And the Atlantic Council, again, it, it's that special relationship, they call it, between Britain and the U.S. And what that means is the U.S. gets used. We have to die in the wars. We have to pay for the wars. We have to go to war. And then the people on the other side over there in the United Kingdom don't have to do anything and they just count the money when, when Royal Brett Shell gets the first oil contract, which they control. So, all their little, the BBC, the BBC is their media um, mouthpiece yeah. for yeah. the town. And that's also based in the city of London. So, all the, all these things are in the city on The Temple Bar, which runs the law and the things in the whole world, you know, it's all uh, British maritime law that we operate under, law of the sea. The Temple Bar, named after the Knights Templar, and so if you enter a courtroom in America, you'll see a gold fringe around the flag, and that tells you that you're entering into a contract under British maritime law. So you never want to do that, actually. But the Bar Association, you know, that you have to pass to be a lawyer in this country, that's British accredited regency, the Bar it's all there, but it's like you said. It's what's uh, called a cephalopod. It's sewn into the fabric <laughs> of yes. reality, so that we don't <laughs> see it, it's there. <laughs> we don't see that it's there because we're just used to it. Yes. Um, but it's all there, and uh, and that, in fact, is the the epicenter of the of the cabal that that we're dealing with. It's the crown, nephilim crown, in the city of London. That's pretty much what I've dedicated my life to exposing.
0: There are tracks everywhere that lead back to all of this. And so for people that are actually interested in doing this, follow the tracks. And as I've always said, the money doesn't mean anything. Signatures and companies behind signatures, corporations behind signatures actually is the trail. And one of the things that I want to touch on in the beginning here is we've got this foundation going before we get into the genetic Stuff which is where I am uh, fully engaged is so with all the with all this that's going on with the black nobility and I mean we could dive into Napoleon and um, we could dive into definitely very significantly the uh, Louis and Marie Antoinette and that bloodline that has come forward now. Uh, that the people were not aware of. So it's nice to see that coming forward. But then we've got these islands like Liechtenstein and Andorra and Mm -hmm. uh, how significant their role is in all of this. When we're looking Mm -hmm. at that, especially right there in that particular area, Uh, this is a hub in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, it is. And uh, Monaco is part of that. Yes. Yeah, Liechtenstein and Andorra are part of that. And this is where the kind of the each of those entities you just name has a royal family, you know, presiding over it. The Grimaldis were on Monaco and the Liechtensteins actually run Liechtenstein and Andorra, I'm not sure the name of that bloodline. It might be the Angies that run Andorra. But all those are in that Normandy region that I was touching on earlier where there was a lot of interbreeding. Yeah. And they're all up in the mountains. The fact is the the Royals have different blood than us. They have RH negative blood, right? Only 15% of the population of the planet has RH negative blood. And the ones that aren't Royals that have it, um, and all the Royals have that. It's blue blood. It's a little bit different color. And the rest of it is in that Basque region of Northern Spain and Southern France, you know, right next to Monaco Andorra. And that's why that's one thing. But yeah, they set up all these little jurisdictions, um, Everywhere, but also, of course, Switzerland. Let's not forget Switzerland. Um, It's the Bank of International International Settlements, which is the central bank of central bankers. And that is kind of run by the Hohenzollern family, which is a kind of a Russian German family, royalty family. They kind of run that end of things. And that, where the Fed and, you know, Bank of England, all these central banks, which are owned by the Crown. If it gets real dicey, they'll coordinate some global policy, but it's just a place to pretty much hoard the tax revenue that they gather up from all of us because the IRS is, is basically funneling money to the crown. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the 1933 bankruptcy when FDR had to call in the gold. And uh, that's why he did it because it all went to the crown. And then we all became tradable on the New York Stock Exchange at that point. as And our straw man, our paper man or straw man is tradable. And so like if you um, shop a lot and you work for a wall street investment firm and you help these people, you'll have a good, your, your stock will go higher. But if you're like making your own jelly and hunting deer and not buying much and, you know, living honorably, then your stock will just tank.
0: <laughs>
1: My stock is zero. I <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>, hope.
0: <hold. laughs> Mine is too. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I can't assume that, but so that's going on. That's all going on. And, and all that stuff funnels to the crown uh, to pay off the debt. And the debt, of course, again, is, is their invention. It's the main way they keep us in slavery yes. because, you know, you, you don't just do that with countries. You do that with individuals. You do that with through student loan debt, you got your car debt, house debt, everything. And then they come in and they create a crisis every, you know, how many years, whatever it is. And they pretty much uh, break the backs of the debtors and they go in and they seize the real assets, whether it's a house, country like they did with mexico in 1995 which they do all the time with countries and then they privatize things and the bankers trade stuff around and they get like in mexico they got the railroad you know they they handed that over to burlington northern right away warren buffett owns it now they handed over the national cement company to hillary Clinton's lafarge corporation she was on the board of that at that time and that's how they do it and they and it's just been this continual privatization of the earth they're basically the crown model is it's counter-revolutionary so anytime there's a revolution they hate it like the american revolution they hate it they hate it we fought the crown remember yes and i mean a lot of people don't and that's what we fought and they hated that and that's why they hate us really bad that's why the covid is the worst here Oh yeah. And the Crown is behind COVID, and we can get into all the names of the companies behind it, and they're all crown agents. The bottom line is as far as economics, their model is feudalism. Their model is middle aged feudalism. And that's what they want to take us back to. So they've got a lot of people hating government now all over the world, which they love because the, and they've sold that through their think tanks and their propaganda outlets. The whole model is is this constant drift back to the right to pretty much fascism, and, and they want everything in private hands, but more than that, everything in the hands of the crown, not just any private hand. And if they get competition, they'll they de-industrialize you, which I think is what they're going to do now at the United States. That's always been the British model overseas when, when they've had a threat, like Germany became a threat. And what did they do? They sprang hyperinflation on them, and then they sprang Hitler on them, so he went to the Tavistock Institute to study in 1915. So he's trained by the Crown in his fascist, you know, white supremacist ways because they are the original white supremacists. Wow. Right. I mean, they're so obsessed with bloodlines and Nephilim. Yeah. So they trained him, but they also did that to wreck Germany because Germany was coming up as far as industrially. They were presenting a lot of problems for the UK. Um, they had, you know, Mercedes Benz and Audi, and, and they're pretty good engineers, the Germans. So they do not like that. So they went after Germany and they just de-industrialized Germany through that war. And they'll do that every once in a while because what they want is they don't want any one country to ever have enough standing to challenge their global oligarchy, which is what it is. It's a global thing. It's not It's They don't really have a country. They just have families and bloodlines and, and they're, they're sovereigns. That's why they call themselves so sovereign. Yeah, they don't because need a they're not <laughs> part of a country. They don't need a country. So they use countries like toilet paper. They'll put them against each other. They'll make wars between us to make money off both sides. Um, over and over they've done it. And that's really all we're good for to them. Um, otherwise they just wouldn't have a country. But I think now they're actually going back to the original thing where there was no countries and they're going to pretty much declare war on humanity in general. And that's where their new world order comes in, where there will be no governments except for just administrative, like the WTO will be a big part of it. The so WHO. We'll yeah. And then we'll all be AI eventually. And that'll be even more convenient and easier to manage. And so I call it, I call it electronic feudalism or digital feudalism. That's, that's where we're heading. We're heading into the economic system of the 12th century with computers, <laughs> you know.
0: Yes. Well, there's that new saying that's going around. And it's been going around for a minute where it says all roads lead back to Switzerland. And think about everything that that actually entails with uh, the height of how we've broken this idea of the world apart with the big portal there. And portals are mm-hmm. everywhere. Portals are a big deal. But it's ridiculous to overlook Switzerland.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, definitely. It's a big part of it. And it, uh it's all the banks are and um, and that's kind of like if you look at the geography of Switzerland too, It' right in between the Holy Roman Empire and the UK. I mean it's almost equal distance and I'm sure that's part of it too. And it's in the mountains it's like a stronghold where they can keep the money and they keep it so expensive there. And they, the immigration really tight and they're not part of the EU. And so the Swiss franc is still a viable currency. And I think that's what they're working on now with the Brexit in London. A lot of people think it's a good thing and it's going to liberate the people and all that stuff. But I actually think it's the city of London pushing it and they want to get out of the EU So that way you'd have Switzerland out of the EU and you'd have the UK out of the EU. I think that's where it's going to go because there's a huge, that's, that's the relationship. It's between the city of London, which is the geopolitical base of the crown for planning all their strategies. And then it's Switzerland, which is the money repository along with Andorra, Liechtenstein, Monaco. You know, there's all kinds of places, Cayman Islands. Again, all these offshore places. That's the power centers, but I say the city of London is a real power center because that's where the planning takes place, and that's where it's all really tied together, and it's called the United Kingdom for a reason.
0: The space fence, let's kind of springboard into that and start moving our way through through this idea that's going to lead us into this genetic sweep we're in and the beta test that's going on uh, with the blood the blood sacrificial stuff as of course we've just now shown everyone uh, and surely anyone that's listening to me already knows that they're chattel, we're all chattel if people are coming to this and not understanding that idea, it's something you have to seek your, sink your chops into if you think you're not chattel and you're, you're paying taxes and you're being herded around and told what to do, then you need to look at the definition of chattel <laughs> So, yeah, Space Fence, this is where we start talking about 5G and that platform, that weaponry that's now becoming the new platform that's connecting everything, including us, because, as we all know, we have been electrified.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm working so hard now with the mind controls, what's going on. So, like, social media was all about the creation of the hive mind or the reinforcement of the hive mind. So, you know, like you remember when you were in fifth grade and like say the teacher like stumbled over a desk and all the kids in class you dropped their books and all the kids in class laughed. Well, that was funny. And that one kid would go and help the teacher pick her books up and like dust draw. off. Okay. When you're in a live setting, then the hive minders that laughed, it's the same kind of, you know, people get weird in groups. They just do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know, they just, that's just, that's, I can't explain it, but they just do. Which you know, but that one kid in that scenario, first they would give him a hard time, and why'd well, you help that you know teacher? Then eventually that kid becomes a leader, and he teaches these kids. Okay, wait a minute. You think that's cool? That's not cool. You're a bunch of idiots. You know that's wrong. Fast forward to Facebook, and in Facebook you're not live, and so the one person that says, "Oh, it's an article about the city Lemon or whatever," speaking from personal experience. I was on Facebook for a few years, and it was just horrible. And you know, you would just get pummeled and by the thought police, and then they would just take your shit out anyway. And the trolls and all that. And so, in that scenario, you can't emerge really necessarily a leader. You'll just keep getting pummeled because those people can just go hide, or they'll hide, you know, they'll hide somewhere else because they're not even there. They're just on a computer. But what it did to people was it really reinforced that high mind. And it reinforced a kind of a social acceptance norm. It made people like really yearn for that again. Like, even though they're 50 now or 40 or whatever they are, all of a sudden they just were really bad to be accepted. And that was the idea. That how the DARPA drew it up because they had to create this high of mind in people. And DARPA founded Life Log, yes. which shut down the very same day that Facebook started up. Mm-hmm. And it was the same. Exactly. Social media. I mean, it's, uh, it's it's social engineering is what it is. It's it's all being run by the intelligence community, okay? And the same with Twitter and the same with Instagram and the same with the crap, which I don't do any of that anymore at all. And so glad. Google, another thing where, you know, it creates a high bind by the search results it generates. And that was another company that, you know, was started at the Stanford Research Institute. And that was a big military think tank in the 50s in Stanford for the Pentagon. That's where Google came out of and the two founders of it and their acceptance thing or whatever when they remember. You might have seen it, but they the first uh, entity they thanked for the support was DARPA. So DARPA was behind Google. For people that don't know, Defense Advanced Research Project Administration, Total Information Awareness, but, you know, the dirtiest, weirdest part of Pentagon. And then, of course, Regina Dugan, the latest DARPA director, she... Went to work at Facebook, and they're building eight, which is their kind of covert ops. All these companies have, like, NSA buildings on their campus, like Microsoft, Google, Facebook. They all have these NSA adjunct buildings right on their campuses. I mean, Silicon Valley just moved up. The Stanford Research Institute became Silicon Valley, just migrated up to Silicon Valley. This is all black ops, okay? All of it and the internet itself um, came from DARPA it was ARPANET called ARPANET and it came from DARPA and you know when they released it onto the people the NSA people in the 90s when they released it to the public they were like well you can't do this this is a weapon this is you know this you can be able to like basically influence everyone's opinion all over the world with this thing and um, they did it anyway and even the computer you know the IBM computer I mean that first one I mean you know that thing uh, when they released that. I mean, for a while they wouldn't even let them do it. Like uh, I think it was Reagan and Carter. Um, they, they denied them. They said, "No, you can't. We can't have these computers being sold to people. This is it's bad." You know, and, and finally they got that pushed through. So this whole tech thing that's going on is part of the Nephilim agenda. Big part of it. The crown is behind Silicon Valley, and Circo is this company that the biggest company nobody's ever heard of. It's called Circo, and they came out of RCA Corporation, which is a crown agent corporation, which developed sonar and radar back in the, well, it was about the time of the Spanish Blue, I guess. So out of that came General Electric and Circo. And you can go to Circo's website, and everybody should, and uh, look at the history. There's a tab that says history. You just hit that tab, and you can go through a nice little timeline of this company, and, and this be blown away. But they actually control like our patent office in the U.S. So they sit there and they they have access to every 5G patent. They did a thing with Richard Walker and Hewlett Packard back in the 90s where they started hoarding up all these patents. And then Walker left HP and started his own company. And they started funneling the stuff into there. And IBM Eclipse Foundation helped him do it. And Lockheed Martin was involved. Hillary Clinton was involved with the Rose Law Firm because they were patent lawyers. Patent lawyers, using what you think they are, they're not there to protect little guys' patents. They're there to swoop up patents for corporations and steal them from little people. And that's what patent lawyers do. So Circo, through the Department of Commerce, has a contract to administer our our patent office. And Circo also has security contracts on every single one of our military uh, wings, whether it's Air Force, Marines, Navy, Army, whether it's NSA or CIA or FBI, they have security contracts on all those things. So they know our troop movements. They know everything about our military all the time. And this is a British crown corporation. They run, I think it's like 87 airport, air traffic control centers in America and a bunch more worldwide, including all of them in the middle East, all of them out of Saudi Arabia or Oman or, you know, uh, United Arab Emirates, that whole region which makes it really easy to run drugs. We have that. They run driver's license offices in all over Canada. They run detention centers for immigrants in Australia, private schools in New Zealand, um, the Immigration Service of the United Kingdom. They administer that. They're the ones that took away Juliet Assange. If you saw him being taken away, you would yes. have saw the van that said Circo on the side. Yep. And so they obviously have a contract with the police in the UK for security. Then they have, like, contracts to run the NASA stuff with our space agency. They have a lot of contracts with the European space agency. So they're they're heavily involved with this new branch of the military that Trump announced, the Space Force. Yes. Um, they're big data. They're the epitome of big data, which is the new big oil, Circo. And now I just found out the other day about this company called Kinetico. And Kinetico appears to be QAnon. It, um, and it's also a crowd corporation. Green has the golden share. And this company called Connecticut appears to be keeping on. So all this stuff that they're putting out, well, it's doing two things. It's keeping people on the couch, but not yes. doing anything. Trump will take care of it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take care yeah. of it. And, right, and it's also a dragnet to entrap you and put you on a list because now you're on a list, just so you know. Yes. <laughs> if, if you ever looked at a QAnon thing, you're on a list now. So that that was handy. But that's just the crown, what they do. Now, of course, with 5G, you have Crown Castle, you ever played chess. That will have a lot of significance, that name. And yes, it is uh, located at Fleet Street in the City of London. It's called Akiba now. They changed their name, but they put up almost every cell phone tower in America and in Europe and in a lot of the world. And yes, it's a crown agent corporation. Yeah. General electric. i mentioned it came out of RCA. Yes. It's crown agent corporation still. And they run all the smart meters. They build all the smart meters. They build all the led lighting, which are ruining our eyes. So that's another crown agent. You have British American tobacco, which is involved with the, the vaccination stuff because their tobacco uh, mosaic virus is a big part of all these vaccinations. Then you have Lockheed Martin, which is virtually indistinguishable from British aerospace at this point because they bought each other shares and they bought the subsidiaries of each other and they're both crown agent corporations. And now it's just kind of one big giant defense contractor by far the biggest in the world, by far. And another crown agent corporation, of course they're building the space vets they're heavily involved with the chemtrails and they're heavily involved with the satellites and Lockheed Barton uh, actually administers our food stamp program in this country. Now through those cards Oh, I didn't and know that. Uh, yeah. And they also control all the cameras on the streetlights. Most of those um, the cities are the States or whoever's owns us or doesn't own them, but whoever's contracting those cameras from Lockheed Barton has to pay Lockheed Barton to actually read those cameras and, some who's the naughty boys and girls. So they're, they're into all kinds of stuff. And this is the British mercantilist model. Again, what we've done is we privatized the American economy, really accelerated under Reagan, even more under Bush and Clinton. And they've taken us to where it's contractors. Right. So even the Pentagon, we privatized our military. You know, we have Blackwater do it instead. Right. And this is pretty recent. This happened like in the eighties, right? That's the British model because what they do is their companies are the contractors. So they come in Get in the middle of your tax dollars and a government agency, and basically rip you off and do pretty much nothing. and And that's what they do. Right? They're good at it. They're good at doing nothing. Unbelievable. So these are a few of the crown agent corporations that are involved in COVID. Now, some more Perberg Institute. This is a crown agent nonprofit. They were the ones that built the lab in Wuhan and were heavily involved with whatever went on over there that sparked this thing. Probably 5G because they turned it on the same day during the World Military Games. Event 201, they were involved with that. The ProBrite also was involved with that. Also involved with that was the Wellcome Trust, which came comes out of Burroughs Wellcome, which is now known as GlaxoSmithKline. They used to be Glaxo Burroughs and Burroughs Betum and whatever those. But anyway, that's, a, that's, the Crown, that's the Crown's pharmaceutical company, along with AstraZeneca. Those two are the Crown's pharmaceutical companies. So Burroughs Welcome is a nonprofit that works with Bill Gates uh, around the world to do the vaccination stuff. They're like one of the biggest nonprofits in the world. So those are two other crown agent entities. So all the, yeah, all the tracks are there. All the fingerprints are there. Even the coronavirus, I mean, corona means crown, right? In Spanish, <laughs> it translates to crown. And I think personally that the crown, a long time ago, came up with this name, Corona. To tell us that they're behind it, but just sort of to cover the electronic warfare that they were starting with sonar, and that did happen right during World War One. And then all the all their kids came home and they were sick and they got this, they called the Spanish flu. Yes. I'm not sure why they called the Spanish flu because has nothing to do with Spain. Anyway, it, probably it was caused by their exposure to that new electronic weaponry. And so I definitely very much think that 5G, which the county is behind, obviously, is a big part of people getting sick. Now, it's no coincidence that the so-called second wave is happening right as the 60 gigahertz 5G is getting turned on in the bigger cities.
0: Yes. This is when the bodies are going to drop.
1: Yeah, like flies.
0: Yeah. They start turning these millimeter waves up. And from the beginning, people like us have been saying this is a multi-phase operation. The people that are behind this have long legs and they they have been thinking generationally to get to where they want to go. This is a Mm -hmm. game of sport Like I keep saying money Mm. is just at the bottom layer. Money is to keep us in this illusion that we have freedom and choice and that there is this idea that we can through whatever means of making money and moving forward to get this bobble and that bobble, we're free citizens. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, absolutely. And that's, Trying to convey that to most people is can be manning. I don't do that any I don't do that any longer. I th- I think the words find them. There's a reason why our lives have been shortened. There's a reason why you work to the bone until you're sixty-five, seventy-five now, and then you can start to have time to think about what's actually gone on. It's the people that have time to think. That become dangerous because when we're thinking, we question, right, Dean? True, that's true. Yeah. So they keep us on that Catherine wheel until the end, and then we don't. We're sick, and we don't have time.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. Which is why, yeah, you gotta get. You gotta figure out a way to, to to short circuit this crazy way of life that they've taught us. We have to believe we have to live this certain way. We have to have this job for 40 years. We have to retire at 65. It's just insane. And I've done that. And that makes us dangerous just because we have the autonomy and we have the time. You don't have to self-censor because a lot of it's about self-censorship. Yeah. You, know, you have to go to work. You have to get along with family. You have to get along with, you know, whatever. And, and all of a sudden when you're just free, you don't have to get along with anybody. You can stay whatever you want. That makes you dangerous, and then you can bring other people up out of the muck, out of the swamp, out of the out of the pit, you know, out of the prison that that you know they're sinking into every day.
0: What we're gonna do on the other end of this is get into the idea of possession. And I'm talking about AI. I'm talking about what is going on on a deeper level with this entity possessions as we look at it through the ancient world. So this Nephilimic stuff, this uh, these ideas of others, the other beings, the other things that play here and how there's an idea of soul harvesting, right? We see this idea uh, that your soul is worth something. That it's it's written in lots of tomes everywhere, and that the the idea of blood in and blood out, blood sacrifice, is interchangeable with the idea of selling of souls and harvesting of souls and the great harvest that I believe we're in at this moment. Uh, so I want to get into those. Those deeper waters, now that we're warmed up and we've set a foundation, and the foundation is this new plateau we found ourselves on, which is a 5G foundation. And then we start moving our ideas and thought forms into the etheric field rather than the other. The etheric field, I think, that we saw Tesla bring forth is a big idea. A very big idea and there's that whole narrative around that, that uh, outside of the fuckery of theories as facts, which have become part of the construct we live in, part of this fake house people dwell within... Theories as facts by people who are coming forth as authoritative figures that we sell ourselves to, that we sell our time and money and effort and labor and souls to. We need to find a way to see beyond that. And one of those ways is to look into the idea of the etheric field and points of consciousness. And there he goes. Dean Henderson for a break we had planned at the top of the hour. The conversation ended so abruptly because Dean was prepared to do an hour, and then when we got to talking in the pre chat, two hours was acceptable to him. He rarely does that. And so he was really keeping track of the time. And when he wrapped up where it ended with his Voice, he had said, and I edited this out let's take a break here and come back with the second. So he kind of ended right there. I didn't get a chance to come in with the smooth transition. And so that's what that's about. I will tell you, this was a juicy conversation. It gets juicier, but this front half is just as juicy as the second half and it's all stuff Dean talks about in the world, I might add so it's in conjunction with what I talk about, so you get the the synthesis of the two of us coming together and extrapolating from there I would like to thank the producers of this show Santa Rebecca Jason Lamson Michael Watcher, Melanie Poe, Christy Tesmer, and Marin Kramer, as well as all the other patrons through my Patreon page, forward slash Nish. Thank you kindly.